Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on this third Sunday of Lent. Amen. I have never been beaten physically. I've been punched a couple times in school, picked on, bullied because I was a shrimp. On the last day of my senior year in high school, I finally threw the first punch at some punk who taunted me because I'd had enough. And I figured, you know, this is the last day of school for the rest of my life. Let's just get it over with. But some older guys broke up the fight before anything really got going. But I've never suffered multiple blows to the face or body. Never been beaten up. Any of you? I'd hoped not, but... I know it happens. I couldn't pass up this reading for today because people being beaten are not something we're used to hearing our Lord and Savior Jesus talk about, at least not this reading because it's not in the three-year lectionary. And if I'd stuck with the lectionary, today's reading would have been a little bit later than this one. It would have been Luke 13, verse 1 through 9, where we hear about Pontius Pilate long before he shows up to condemn Jesus to death. And Jesus talks about this tower in Siloam that fell and killed a bunch of people. And the question was, do people that get killed, whether it's murder or by accident, deserve it because of their sin? Jesus makes the point, unless you repent of your sins, worse things could happen to you. But we've been over repentance already this Lent. What about these beatings? I have a feeling our text today wasn't included in the lectionary because... Jesus tells a similar parable elsewhere, but also maybe, maybe because it's a, quite an unpleasant thing to picture. Not that that didn't stop the church from including other unpleasant readings into the Sunday rotation, but there's just something graphic about it. Cut him to pieces. And then Je- Jesus differentiates between a severe beating and a light beating. As if a light beating is somehow better. Well, it probably is. (laughs) If I were to get beaten, I would want it lightly. Preferably not at all, but lightly, if it's going to happen. Jesus hadn't been beaten yet when he told Peter and the other disciples this teaching. But we know he will not become a stranger to it later on. And in retrospect, we can say Jesus is no stranger to beatings. If you've been beaten, whether severely or lightly, Jesus has experienced that. He knows what it's like to be beaten almost to the point of death. The crucifixion took care of the rest. He was punched in the mouth by one of his own people first, Caiaphas's guard, and then it got worse when he was handed over to Pilate and the Gentiles. What is Jesus teaching his disciples and the crowd here And how have Christians used this parable these last two millennia? Well, to find out, let's work through this text from the original language and see what we can pull from it. I'm going to read to you how it goes in the original language. I'm not going to read the Greek, but I mean, I'm going to translate it, translated it for you rather uh, rawly, and uh, it's not going to match up with your English translations. Nevertheless, you'll still get the picture. At verse 35, Jesus has already been teaching his disciples and the 72 other followers who are stepping on one another to get close to Jesus 
and hear him. And several other teachings, uh, or after several other teachings, he, he begins with this one. He says, Let your loins be girded and your lamps burning. Loins girded. <laughs> what is that? Well, that's an old Hebrew way of saying make sure your robes, your clothes are pulled all the way up, all the way over your body, and all the way up around your neck because you need to be ready to do some walking. You don't want to be tripping over any part of your robes that are hanging down around your feet. You'll stumble and fall and be left behind. That's what, that's what he says. Let your loins be girded, be clothed and ready to go. And you must be like men who are employed by an important landowner or businessman or official who put you in charge of watching his house while he goes and has a nice dinner dinner with his clients so that someone doesn't break in and start digging through and ransacking the place. When he comes home and knocks, you immediately open the door for him. You will be blessed when he comes home and finds you on the alert. Truly I say to you, he will gird himself and make you recline at his table. And after coming up alongside, he will serve you. Whether from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. or 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., if he should come home and find you awake with the light on, ready for anything, blessed are you. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would not have let his house get dug into. You also become ready, because at an hour you do not suppose the Son of Man is coming. So this part would have triggered the disciples, the crowd, and the original hearers of Luke's testimony to associate this little scene, the house, the table, the owner of the, the owner who's coming home with the end of time. Followers of Jesus, be ready. You don't know, or you don't want to be sleeping on the job when Jesus brings about the end of the world because, well... That's what we'll find out more if we keep hearing. Peter says, Lord, is this teaching just for us or for all people? Jesus answers, both. <clears throat> What's true for every Christian is true for the 12 disciples, but in a heightened sense for them, the disciples, because they have the, pres the precious message to spread around the land, and they dare not screw it up. They dare not be careless with it. They can't be preaching out of two sides of their mouth. They can't be hypocrites. They can't change the message to suit their own purposes, that kind of stuff. Jesus explains it in this way. Who then is the faithful steward, the prudent one? Or uh, who, is, who is the faithful steward, the prudent one, whom the Lord will appoint over his slaves to give at the right time a ration of wheat. Blessed is that slave whom, when his Lord comes home, he will find him doing so. Truly I say to you that over all his possessions he will appoint him. Ah, see, now we're getting a clearer picture of what kind of household this is. There was slavery in Judea in those days. The Roman Empire had slaves on a, you know, a a massive scale. In a Jewish household, though, 
a slave was an occupation. And you were beholden to the owner of the house. And there could be many slaves in one house, kind of like Downton Abbey, right? You watch Downton Abbey? You know, there was the butler who was a servant, but he's in charge of the lower servants like the footman and the doorman and the carriage man and the cooks and the maids. So Jesus is saying the faithful steward is the butler who feeds the lower servants and takes care of them and treats them well. The master of the house will appoint the faithful steward to be in charge of all his possessions. A very honored and blessed position to be in with your Lord, wouldn't you say? But if the steward should believe in his heart, ah, the master isn't going to be home for a long time. I think I'll beat the maids and the servants for a little while, and then I'll eat and drink until I'm drunk. The Lord of that slave will come on a day and a time he doesn't expect. The Lord will surprise him and cut him into pieces, cut him in two, and will appoint his portion with the unbelievers, which is a way of saying there's no salvation for the unfaithful servant. He might as well be an unbeliever. And that slave, the one who knew the will of his Lord and did not prepare or act in accordance with his will, he will be flogged many strokes. But the one who did not know and having done things worthy of strokes, he will be flogged with just a few strokes. Our English Bibles translate the Greek word for flogged, which is, you know, whipped, right, into beaten. Jesus will suffer both. So however you translate it, the meaning is the same. Jesus will suffer the punishment himself that he says will happen to the disciples and all believers if they mistreat those they're appointed over and fall asleep on the job of handling the good news of salvation through the Son of Man and the Son of God. Isn't that something? Try as we might to learn from this parable and follow it, we still mistreat others. Eat and get drunk. And if the boss isn't watching and won't be home for a long time, we think, oh, we've got, he ain't going to know. I can do what I want. Willful disobedience is penalized by a severe beating. Involuntary dereliction of duty merits a light beating. Still, Jesus suffers the beating we deserve for willful and involuntary dereliction of duty. Forgiven, though we do not earn it. We should still be alert and ready, though, for the Lord's return, especially people such as your pastor, whom you have called to feed you at the appointed time with a grain of wheat at the altar of the Lord in his house. If I beat you, you know, which you know I would never do, right? I'm not going to physically beat you, but... Mistreatment can come in other ways, can't it? I mean, pastors have run roughshod over their people in the Christian church. And if I cop an attitude that God isn't watching because, you know, he's got, he got too many other things to do. He can be watching me and what I'm doing. I might as well eat, drink, and be merry, stumble out here drunk and drop stuff and, and misspeak the words and the good news and stumble over my words and bring discredit to the church 
The punishment for me is severe. My colleagues and I have, we have to be ready too. Repent and make peace with God, for we don't know when He will return. And when He does, will He find you on the alert with your loins girded, ready to go to heaven, or asleep and drunk with the light off? We all have a sense of this. Uh, You played Microsoft Solitaire on the work computer when the boss walks in. Yeah, most of us figured out how to minimize the window real quick so that your actual work shows up on the screen when he looks at it, right? But it was still not good to be caught off guard, was it? Those of you who've served in the military or, or in a security job or been on call know how it feels to be caught napping. On my way to Desert Storm, I was involuntarily put in charge of overseeing a large shipment of M16 rifles that just happened to be put on the plane that I was going over there on. Thousands of rifles all crated up. My responsibility was to make sure none of them got stolen. I was given a loaded rifle myself just in case someone wanted to try. I was up all night guarding these things. There was no one around. Guess what? I nodded off. And just then, in walks the boss. I got a light beating. It was a verbal flogging, thankfully. Nevertheless, it was not good. This is the life of the Christian, my friends. It's our job as the faithful steward to be on the alert. So may God give an extra measure of His Spirit to be so and forgive us when we fail. For we do not know the exact day and time when he will knock on the door, expecting to find us on the alert and his house in order. Amen.